Hello, welcome to the Real Answers Ministry. My name is Louis Nava, founder of Real Answers Ministry, a nonprofit organization to help equip and encourage the saints to fulfill the Great Commission by coming alongside and going out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ at events and colleges. You can check us out at realanswersaz.org. Welcome back as we read through the book of Acts. Last time in Acts chapter 8, we read about a Pharisee named Saul who consented to the death of Stephen, the first martyr of the New Testament church. We read in Acts 8.4, it said, Saul then became a threat to the church. Saul made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women committing them to prison. In chapter 9, we're going to read about the conversion of Saul. Imagine Saul being the biggest threat to the church, to one of the most used servants of Jesus Christ, bringing many to Christ through the proclamation of the gospel and discipling those who received the gospel message and turned to Christ throughout the known world at that time. Now, let's open our Bibles and begin reading Acts chapter 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The first thing we see is that Jesus told Saul, Why are you persecuting me? Those who persecute Christians are actually persecuting Jesus. Jesus takes persecution personally when persecution comes to those who are his. We must not take it personally when being persecuted as if they are against us because they really hate Jesus and are fighting against God. In John fifteen eighteen to 20, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If you kept my word, they would keep yours also. 
The second thing we see is Saul surrendering to the lordship of Christ, recognizing that Jesus is Lord, master, or ruler. Saul's response to Christ's lordship was, Lord, what do you want me to do? In verse 6, why was it so hard for Saul and also hard for us to surrender to the Lord Jesus? Jesus told Saul, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. Some translations say, kick against the pricks. A ox goad was a stick with a pointed piece of iron and its tip used to prod the oxen when plowing. The farmer would prick the animal to steer it to the right direction. Sometimes the animal would rebel by kicking out of the prick, and this would result in the prick being driven even further into its flesh. In essence, the more an ox rebelled, the more it suffered. It was used it was used to keep the ox into submission of the farmer. We are naturally stubborn and prideful sinners who want to live our lives according to what we think is right and true. Here's a few scriptures that back it up. Proverbs 21, 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Proverbs sixteen twenty five says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as heaven are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. So Saul, having come face to face with Jesus Christ, it was hard for him to kick against the pricking any longer. Jesus Christ humbled Saul, and now Saul was no longer fighting God. But now, in humble surrender, he is about to be used for the glory of God. So let us continue in Acts verse 7. And the men who journeyed with Saul stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in the vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias answered, Lord, I heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. 
And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So here the Lord was telling a disciple named Ananias that he was about to meet Saul of Tarsus. And the Lord wanted Ananias to lay his hands on Saul that Saul may, may receive his sight. But Ananias knew of Saul as did many of Christ's disciples. They were afraid of Saul because of the persecution under Saul's authority. It was hard to believe that God can save a man like Saul, even though it was the Lord telling Ananias. We do not know who God saves. Many times we think God can save those who are nice, but not those who cause harm to others, especially those who follow Christ. But yet we are all sinners, deserving God's wrath in need of a Savior. It is a miracle when God saves any one of us. Let's go back to, just go to verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. How many people turn to Christ because they believe that God has a wonderful plan for their life, believing they will no longer have to suffer if they have enough faith and have favor with God, receiving earthly blessings? Saul's promise from the Lord was that he must suffer in my, for my namesake. And I believe that is why so many professing Christians backslide. They come to Christ for the wrong reason. When trials in this life come, they get discouraged and quit because they did not come to Christ to be saved from their sins and seen a need for forgiveness, but they come to Christ with false expectations of selfish desires. Second Timothy three twelve, Paul tells Timothy, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And Hebrews twelve seven to eleven says, "If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who correct us, and we paid them respect." Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father's spirits and live? For they indeed, for a few days, chasten us as seemed best of them. But he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the, for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. See, as believers, we have an eternal hope where there is no more death, pain, sorrow, and suffering. This world is not our home. We do not expect heaven on earth, knowing that this life is only temporary. In fact, in John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now let's continue in verse 17 of the book of Acts. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. 
and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, he sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. What are we seeing or reading here? This is true conversion. We are born sinners, blinded to the things of God. At conversion, God takes away the blinders and opens our eyes so that we may see, that we may understand and hear the truth through the word of God. Colossians says in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins. Now let's continue in Acts 9, verse 19. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the, the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. I have heard preachers teach that the Apostle Paul did not preach and teach until he had studied a few years. But according to this verse, in verse 20, it says Saul immediately preached the Christ in the synagogue, that he is the Son of God. Saul immediately preached to the Jewish people who practiced their religion in the synagogues as Saul had in the in his past. Now Saul went to the synagogue to evangelize, proclaiming Christ as the Messiah. The Jewish people were expecting the Messiah as prophesied in the Old Testament, but they did not believe the Messiah was Jesus. Well, Paul would preach that the Messiah is Jesus, the Christ. And in next, um, verse 21, is continue. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through a wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of Jesus Christ and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Even though the Jewish people were amazed at Saul's preaching and teaching, it was hard for them to believe him due to his past, having persecuted the church. They actually used 
Saul's persecution as an excuse to justify their actions for not repenting and turning to Christ as Lord. It is like we hear people say today that there are too many hypocrites in the church as a justification or excuses as why not to repent and turn to Christ. But how did this affect the church? Well, let's continue in verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. We read that the church feared God, not men. Having peace and comfort of the Holy Spirit as God continues to grow his church. Let's continue. Verse 32 says, Now it came to pass as Peter went through all the parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who, who dwelt in Lydia. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus, the Christ, heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then immediately, then he rose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. And since Lydia was near Joppa and disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in his coming to them. Then Peter rose and went with them. And we had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. The book of Acts now focuses back on Apostle Peter, seeing how God was using Peter in a mighty way, using signs and wonders to validate the message of the gospel, causing many to turn to the Lord, which is the same as saying, causing many to repent and believe on the Lord. But until next time, as we continue with the Apostle Peter in chapter 10, as God continues to pour out his grace and mercy, saving sinners, growing his church, may God bless you. 